Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. This week, he's in conversation with Reverend Dr. Karen Anderson, Senior Pastor of the First AME Church located in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're thrilled to be talking today with Dr. Karen Anderson. She's the lead pastor at the First African Methodist Episcopal Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Dr. Anderson, Welcome to Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. Thank you so much, Dr. Goatley. I'm extremely honored and privileged to share this space um, and excited for our conversation. Wonderful. We've been on a journey uh, for a few years uh, with about 50 pastors on a pilgrimage toward flourishing in ministry. And one of the ways we've been talking about flourishing uh, is in a, an organic way. Uh, for example, talking about a tree where there are times where there are leaves budding. Sometimes there are f- there's full bloom. Other times the leaves are falling away. Sometimes there's only bare limbs. But even at those times, a tree can be thriving and flourishing. So while that's one way to think about flourishing, Could you talk to us a little about what flourishing in ministry looks like to you? I love that analogy of the tree uh, and and the seasons that trees go through, because I think that is very true of ministry, that we go through seasons in ministry. Um, I came into ministry as a second career and have been able to watch some of the ebbs and flows in my own um, passage. But I think Um, What it is for me, flourishing in ministry is flexibility, adaptability to changing uh, situations and circumstances. Clearly, this past year of COVID-19 has been a prime example of how you've had to adapt to the changes in ministry. Uh, I think it it has to do for me with with flourishing. It's growth. it's, It's the growth that sometimes is gradual. 
um, not only in the congregation, but within myself. Sometimes growth is, is slow. Sometimes growth seems to be a bit stagnant, like nothing's moving forward. And um, even though you may be watering and you may be trying to um, feed the plant, uh, sometimes the plant goes through a stagnant phase. So flourishing in ministry to me is the flexibility and the adaptability to remain on task um, even when you don't see any, any fruit being produced. Uh, you don't give up on the tree, uh, kind of like uh, in the Bible where they went by the fig tree and they were ready to cut it down. And he says, let me work with it just a little while longer. Um, so I think for me, that's what flourishing means that we're willing um, not to cut the tree down, but to feed the tree, uh, to give nutrients to the tree and keep working with the tree. And I, I think that's um, what I've learned. Uh, I am African Methodist Episcopal, uh, which means that we are itinerant and we are assigned to churches. And so sometimes you go in and your tree um, does not look like it's producing any fruit, but you don't want to kill the tree. So you begin to nurture the tree, um, working on spiritual growth, um, sometimes working on helping the members to move past a period of pain or hurt, um, entering into the space with them and, and doing that. I think it's for me personally, it is a desire to constantly grow and to learn. I don't think you can be stagnant in ministry. Um, I laugh at myself. Uh, I, I laugh at God sometimes and say God has, has a sense of humor. Uh, he waited till I was aged <laughs> to send me back to seminary. And then there was like another 10 years and I finally decided to go back and get a D man. And so I think some of that has to do with it is that it's a constant learning, um, a constant growing. Uh, I think it's important also to have mentors and colleagues in ministry that help us in this period of flourishing um, because we can learn from each other. Nobody is an island unto themselves and you can't do this, this work of ministry by yourself. I do believe that it requires people to be a part of you. It requires a strong prayer life. You have to be able to, to steal away and, and close out some of the things in the world. And then finally, I think it is setting um, some realistic goals for yourself and also for the congregation. Um, sometimes, even though our, our, our vision is big, we have to set some attainable, realistic goals with um, what I like to call little wins to move people forward towards a flourishing um, ministry. I was talking with a pastor um, and the pastor talked about thinking about the difference between uh, numbers around fitness and then talking about being healthy. And I thought it was interesting because it, the, the pastor was saying, well, you can talk about kind of target numbers, like, you know, I'm going to hit this number with one thing or that number or more of a pattern of mm -hmm. healthy eating, healthy rest, you know, healthy exercise. How does that resonate with you about uh, thinking in terms of qualitative and quantitative, thinking about uh, numbers around fitness or practices of health, if we're going to compare it to flourishing in ministry? Actually, I like that because... Um, Prior to uh, ministry, uh, I am a registered nurse as well. And so there were times when what we considered 
normal numbers, right? So there's a there's a normal for blood pressure. There's a normal for your um, blood sugar range and diabetes. Um, but the reality is that normal is not normal for everybody. There are sometimes people who are outside the normal. So sometimes if we say normal is um, 124 blood sugar, if you have a diabetic who's lived with it for years, their normal might be 200. And they function very well there because they've learned to manage that. And so I think it's the same in ministry. Uh, we can't put it necessarily in numbers, but we can see the growth in people um, as they become more engaged in the ministry of the church, um, as maybe they decide to assume leadership roles in the church that they've never assumed before. Um, when they come with ideas for how to move the ministry forward, you may not grow the church. I, I, again, I am African Methodist Episcopal. My very first church had 10 people. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. I started with 10 people in a very small rural community um, that was primary Caucasian. This is a very, you know, how we have these enclaves of, of, of you know, African-Americans. And so we didn't necessarily grow numerically, but I saw a growth in the people, um, in their commitment to church. The first Sunday I arrived, um, my husband and I got there and there were five people and they depended on me to do everything. Um, but as time went on, we did grow a little bit, you know, num numerically, but I saw people stepping up to take leadership roles. I saw them taking responsibility to ensure that things were set for worship. And so I think that's what we're talking. That's what I'm talking about. It's not always numbers. Thank you for mentioning that, which leads me to uh, uh, ask you to talk a little bit about context, because uh, our pilgrimages of striving and thriving has been exploring with pastors what we call a formula for flourishing, which holds that if a pastor's leadership capacity plus service context yields ministry content, then there's a higher probability for flourishing. So we don't assume that somebody can just drag and drop a ministry somewhere else. And you just uh, talked about uh, your first uh, pastoral assignment being in a, a rural setting mm -hmm. that had a small black enclave situated within a larger white uh, community. And now you pastor in Las Vegas, Nevada. So it just feels like there's something going on with context in your <laughs> ministry uh, that is informing the content. So can you talk to us a little bit how your context of service informs your content of ministry? Again, being in an itinerant denomination, um, I like to tell people it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, you have to know it's what God called you to. You, you have to be sure this is what God said for you um, because you don't know how long you're going to be in any one place and you don't always know where you're going to land. And so when it comes to context, I think um, I'll go back to one of the first things I said is you have to be flexible and adaptable. You have to be intuitive in order to go in and begin to assess what, what is this congregation about and, and what is its context within the city? I think that adage, bloom where you plant it, is um, part of the context. We don't always land where we want to land um, initially, but we have to learn um, how to bloom where we are and to see um, 
one of the, one of the things that I was told was take your time and learn the congregation and learn the neighborhood. Where's the neighborhood? What are they used to um, being a part of in the neighborhood? So context is very important. Um, you cannot cookie cutter ministry in the itineracy. Um, this was, that was my first church. This is my fourth church. Um, each context has been different for me. Each, each neighborhood, each community has been different. Each congregation has been different. And so part of it is that you have to take the time to learn the context. Um, for us, it's a both and. You have to take the time, but you also have to be intentional because our appointments are yearly. I don't know from one year to the next if I'm absolutely going back to where I am. If you're doing well in ministry, the odds are in your favor. Uh, if you're not, you may go somewhere else. If you're doing really well, you may also find yourself being promoted. So even if you're doing a good job, you could go somewhere else in a year or two. So you have to be pretty um, astute to determine the context um, and see how it fits with what you bring to the table and then how you begin to build um, ministry out of that. And I think for me, um, most of it has just been learning where I am, listening has been critical um, in understanding context, you know, listening to the people, uh, listening to the neighborhood, finding out who they've already interacted with and where they have directed ministry, and then asking God where I am, where do I fit in this pattern for this church? You brought me here for a reason. Um, and that is my true belief. Um, I tell people all the time, I know the bishop assigns us, but I honestly believe God positions us. Um, I'm not put there by a person. The churches I've gone to, I believe God put me there because there was a skill set that I had to benefit that church, um, regardless of the situation. So context is critical. And moving from rural to city to now this bigger community, um, it has taken time. I've had to, in the smaller community, what have you all engaged in? I learned in the, in the rural community, a lot of it's collaboration. Small churches all work together in small communities. And, and you plan your calendar of events in collaboration with other churches, right? You gotta make sure that your men and women's day isn't button head with the church down the street because <laughs> you're dependent on them to come and support you. In the community I'm in now, it was learning the context. The context was they had had a pastor for 20 years. They had some very set ways. And I was the first, I'm the first female pastor to ever walk through that door. And so I had to begin to understand the context and the history and, you know, what built into that in order to begin to build um, a relationship. And I think that's, let me go back to context. That's part of it. It's the, it's the relationship building. We have to be able to build relationships with those um, that God has given us the privilege of ministering to. Some people who live in various parts of the country, when they think about Las Vegas, Nevada, they think about gaming and entertainment. Yes. Uh, and it's like no other awareness of what it is. Can you say something just to help us think about context? Can you tell us something about one example of ministry uh, that that is going on 
that is oh. directly related to the context. Sure. Um, you're right. That's what I thought of Las Vegas also. What we have to understand is that with Las Vegas, the gaming and the entertainment is really confined primarily to the strip. There's a whole community outside of the strip. There are very established communities, um, uh, um, Hispanic, African-American, everything. But it is a very um, faithful. You can find where, where my church is located. I can count probably 15 churches within a two mile radius of the church. So faith is very important. Community is very important. And once you leave the strip, Las Vegas is like any other city with the schools, with the churches, um, with the needs that we see with the homeless population. Um, and so it's not any different. A word to our listeners. Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world. We collaborate with indigenously-led communities to bear good and faithful witness to Christ Jesus through ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment, and advocacy in Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, Europe, North America, Oceania, and South America. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. You too can help to extend the Christian witness throughout the world. Visit us at lotcarry.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for praying for and investing in the good news globally through word and deed. Welcome back to the Lot Carey Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the Learning Coordinator of Lot Carey's Thriving in Ministry Program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Now, back to more of his interview with Reverend Dr. Karen Anderson, Senior Pastor at First AME Church located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Can you say something about how the capacity of a pastor contributes to the content of your ministry? I don't think anything that happens in our life is by accident. And I think God prepares us for where God is moving us. Um, I spent 20 plus years in um, nursing and healthcare administration, um, managing, leading departments, um, working with budgets, learning to manage people. And I believe that that entire skill set translates into what I'm able to do um, within the church, within, when, within the body of Christ. Um, I believe that the previous experiences with learning how to communicate uh, have been critical. Uh, administrative skills, budgeting. Oh my goodness, I didn't go to school to be an accountant. Okay, that's what I tell people all the time. Uh, and so when I had to 
you know, develop a budget for a department of the hospital. I really didn't think about that in moving into a church where you have to come up with a budget. So I think that capacity of having had a first career has been invaluable in my second career. Um, but then there are some things, uh, learning to delegate. Um, I think that the traditional leadership role in the church has been very hierarchical. It's been top down. Pastor says we do. Um, I believe that the church is bottom up, just like anything else. Pastors need to listen to the men, to the people in the pews. We have to learn to engage them. And, and for the AME denomination, that's critical. Um, and what I say to, to the members is this, you realize that I may not be here for the next 15 or 20 years. And what's most important is where do you see your church and your community, your family invested to move forward, whether I'm here or not, because the ministry is not about me alone. The ministry is about this community of believers who've come together to be called First AME Church. So where do you see this church moving forward? And what do you see as my role to help you? It's easy to get people to do what you want when you have a paycheck hanging over their head. It's an entirely different thing when you're expecting people to give freely of their time and their talent. Um, you have to have something that motivates them to give that. Would you mind talking to us about an area of leadership where you had to develop as a pastor? Oh, Dr. Goley, I think there were so many. <laughs> Honestly, um, I, I had to learn how to be a pastor. Um, you know, seminary teaches you some things. It doesn't necessarily teach you how to pastor. Um, one, a, a primary area for me has been, um, well, several. One has been setting boundaries, healthy boundaries. I had to understand that I am their pastor and not their best friend because I, I had to learn that that's not necessarily healthy for the congregation or for me. So I had to learn to be able to set that boundary where they, where I, I am authentic in my caring for them, but I'm also authentic in them understanding that I'm not there to be the best friend. And so, and the reason for that was because there came a couple of times where I had to make some decisions for the church that were best for the church, but not necessarily popular. Um, so learning to set boundaries, to be clear in how I communicate change. Sometimes we have the ideas and we know that this change is good. And I wanted to just run headlong into it and do it. This is what we're doing. That doesn't always go well. Sometimes you have to lead, you know, you ease people into change. You begin talking about it ahead of time. You get some feedback from people. That, that's one thing I did have to learn is I need to listen more. So there are times I just have listening sessions. So for me, it has been learning to listen and to have patience. That's that fruit that I'm not the best at. <laughs> so trying to be patient um, and, and work with people where they are and not try and pull them to where I want them to be, but trying to learn to work with the people exactly where they are has been a skill set for leadership that I wanted. And so you have to know your assignment going in. Um, my, my third church, the one right before this one, my assignment was to keep them from losing their church. I knew that. 
they were about to go into bankruptcy. They were in foreclosure and I was sent in at a place that was tenuous at best. And I had to pray hard and long about that, but I knew what God was calling me to do. So it's really being clear on what God's called you to do in that community. Um, for us, it's understanding that there's an end point for me that I have to move on. Um, but that, so I have to go back to boundaries. Setting healthy boundaries is important because we do move churches. And when you're transferred, the thing you don't want to do is leave your people so angry when you left that it makes it hard for the person coming behind you. So you have to always, in my opinion, keep in the forefront of your congregation that you are an itinerant pastor, that there is a potential that you will not be there. And that's why building that community among the members is critical because there are times when pastors are transferred and the people become so angry that they either leave the church or the church splits. So for me, it is setting those boundaries so that I leave the church, I pray every time that I leave it better than I got it and that I leave it in a position to move forward to their next, even if I'm not with it. What brings you the most joy as a pastor? The people. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's the people. Um, it's watching people grow. It's watching um, people find something in themselves that they did not think existed. It's watching um, young people develop. Oh my goodness, I love the young people. <laughs> it, it, it just, it brings me such joy. So it's really the people. Um, watching people move through the various phases and being able to walk with them. Walking with people through grief, I think is one of the greatest privileges that I have as a pastor to be with them in that most difficult place. It's not easy for them and it's not easy for us. And what I've learned from that is they don't need me to say a whole lot. They just know, need to know I'm available. And, and if I were going to leave something for anybody um, thinking about leadership in a church, it's be available, be available to the people who are depending on us. And the best advice I ever got was love the people. <laughs> that was the best ministerial advice I got. Love the people. If you love the people and the people believe that you are authentic, um, that you are transparent and that you're honest, people will do above and beyond what you think they're capable of doing. That's what I learned in my small church where I didn't think they had resources because they believed that I was in it with them and that I would walk with them. They were willing to do above and beyond what they had done in the past. And I think it, that's so important. Um, love the people, just love them. And you have a chance to offer a word of advice. What might that be? Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Ministry is, it is wonderful, but it can be a burden. It can be full of joy, but it can be very sad. It can be isolating and lonely. Um, be gentle with yourself. You're going to make mistakes. I made plenty and I continue to make plenty of mistakes. But I think that when we're honest about our mistakes and, and not being afraid to say to those that we um, have charge over, I don't know the answer. <laughs> I don't know, but let's work on finding out together. When you're able to say, I thought this was the right road, um, but I think we need to course correct. That's invaluable. When you can say to people, I'm sorry 
I've had to say, I'm sorry, because maybe um, I said something either in a sermon or I said something in a Bible study that someone um, took the wrong way. And I've had to be able to say, I'm really sorry that you took it that way. Or maybe sometimes we're um, so busy thinking. I, I'll tell this story and, and, and hopefully it'll bless someone. One of my previous charges, there had been a young lady, well, a grown woman who had, not, had been active in the church, but she stopped coming for a while and I couldn't figure out why. And so finally, one day she said to me, she said, you didn't say anything when my brother died. And I looked at her and I said, I don't think I knew your brother died. And she said, well, I whispered it to you as you were processing in to begin service. And I said to her, I said, I'm so sorry. I said, when I am getting ready to start worship, I am only focused on that. And I honestly didn't hear you, but I will do my best to be more intentional if someone comes to me and they're looking distressed, regardless of what I'm in the process of doing. And so being able to say to somebody, I, I'm sorry, I messed up, but because we don't know how we offend people all the time as pastors. Be attuned to who you are, where you are, but be gentle with yourself. I think we are sometimes our worst critics whether it's preaching, uh, whether it's pastoring, and know that we will never get this thing 100% right. <laughs> but we will do our best. And if we continue to be prayerful and ask God to give us direction, ask God where we need to change course, I, I, the time with God is, is invaluable. Um, the time and, and having godly friends, let me tell you, I have colleagues in ministry that I have to talk to or talk through a sermon with. That's the other advice. Don't be afraid to talk through your sermons. You know, what does this sound like to you? Does, does this make sense? Am I on track? Or, you know, what would your, 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 your direction be? Um, I think that's invaluable in ministry. I had to learn that. You asked me something. Thank you. That, that's about my head. I had to learn that right? I used to be afraid to share what I was going to say because I thought it wasn't good enough. And so I wouldn't tell anybody. But I had to learn that there is a value in having a circle of people that you can talk through, um, not just how should I do this ministry, but what is this sermon? Am I on the right track? Am I really hearing what God is saying to me? And then the last piece of advice, have some friends that are not in ministry. All your friends should not be pastors. You need balance. <laughs> We, we need balance in our life and we will not get it if everybody is going down the same road. Get you some friends that when you get together, you don't have to talk about the church. You don't have to talk about the ministry. You don't have to talk about what the bishop is doing. You don't have to talk about anything. You can talk about what the best movie is out or what book you read last. Have some folks in your life that have some different perspective because their perspective also will help inform your ministry. Reverend Dr. Karen Anderson, the senior pastor at First African Methodist Episcopal Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Thank you for spending this time and conversation with us today about flourishing in ministry. Thank you, Dr. Goley. It's been my honor and my privilege and um, I'm just thrilled that you thought enough to ask me to join. And I, I do pray it's been a blessing to someone.
Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen online at lotcarry.org. Thank you.